Hey, hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us live today on Fit to Heal. We are here, myself, Fit Goddess, and my mother, Rosalind, your life coach, to talk about no romance without finance. You've tuned in for a great and phenomenal show. We're here to drop some knowledge on you about what we can do in terms of finance and what we can do in terms of romance. I'm going to bring my mama to the stage. Hey, mama. Hey, sweetie. How's it going? I'm doing very well today. I'm going to go ahead and share this screen. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, that was a tr that was an, an attempt <laughs> to give me a little bit of responsibility and they blew that. But yeah, so I am rousing your life coach. I call myself your life coach because someone used the phrase one time, um, Rosalind, your life, mm. because uh, that's kind of what I was helping them to do. Um, I got into fitness and wellness during uh, COVID, working home remote, and just realized that there was more to life than just working for somebody else 12 hours a day and sitting in traffic and so on. So but my whole life has been about um, uh, alternative healing and uh, treatments and remedies. Um, and so my whole... Mm, concept is, is to help people see the uh, connection between the mind, body, and spirit. And that includes everything. When I say the body, I'm talking about the body, the physical body, uh, resources, um, um, finances, health, nutrition. Um, when I say the mind, I'm talking about the mindset, your uh, personality, your things you came into the world with, with in regards to your personality, your disorders, your belief systems. When I talk about the spirit, I'm talking about um, things that manifest themselves as a result of your thinking. So uh, helping people to understand that if you have issues with your physical body, it took place in your mind first. That's kind of what um, my thing is about. And so I've committed my lifetime to developing uh, remedies and alternative therapies to help people heal from trauma, um, anxiety, fear, and learn how to manifest things in their life that they came here to do. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, and um, So do me a favor now, tell the tribe about me. <laughs> I can tell them all about you more than I can tell you about myself. <laughs> so this, this young lady is super amazing. She is... Um, the Fit Goddess, you can see my shirt here I'm wearing. The Fit Goddess tribe, I've become a member of the tribe. She's part of my tribe and part of her tribe. Um, and the, the Fit Goddess mindset was something that I was attracted to because uh, she is, she practices what she preaches. And I'm living proof because, um, you know, I, I didn't start out like, you know, um, into health and fitness, but I definitely needed a motivator and she is a motivator. She's a, um, there's another word that I'm looking for, but I can't think of it right now. But you have been um, a true blessing to me. You, you're involved in the community. You're involved in with the children. Um, you're involved with the, um, the, the whole, as, as Brother Zumbi said, the economic process 
that we as a people are struggling to get through um, so we can liberate ourselves and be free. Um, and so with the whole mind, body, spirit concept, you imbibe the same principles that I do. And I love what you did. This is, this is the book you wrote called Breathe uh, with um, the, the wonderful nutritious smoothies that I've only tried one, <laughs> but I have the recipes for the other. Um, and together, uh, this, this woman, the fit goddess and myself have, you know, collaborated to um, put our like interest together and create a uh, continue the tribal healing within our community. And so we're here to show you all of the things that we're going to be doing and all of the networks of people that we are uh, impacted by and are helping to impact in our community to get to get the tribe to grow in health and wellness, mind, body and spirit. That's right. And we while we talking about the tribe growing, let's talk about the brother that we got on today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, this brother, I was fortunate to be able to be on a show with him and Brother Seiko um, a couple months ago. We even this show came as a um, an offset of me taking over Seiko show. That's right. The great goddess takeover. And That's right. Over. <laughs> so let's introduce one of our. Um, our guest tonight, I'm going to bring his um, his little picture up here, Brother Zumbi, right? Now, like my mama said, he is um, the founder of Liberty Hall Media Group, the author of GOAT, which stands for Gospel Afroeconomics Theology, and serves as the board member of the Nat Turner uh, Library Foundation. So with that warm welcome, sir, we're going to bring you to the stage. And he's back. <laughs> uh, uh, greetings to whoever is watching live or who is watching on playback. Uh, I'm Brother Minister Zumbi, uh, servant of the African rural community, uh, author, entrepreneur, activist. Uh, as was mentioned, I wrote a book called Gospel of Afronomics Theology, which is what I would call an economic philosophy and system. You know, there's been many books that have been written on economics, finance, business, but I've not found very many that have been written from an African-centered perspective. And I haven't found many that have been written that pass what I call the Pookie Ray Ray and June bug test. In other words, if you want to reach the common man, the common woman on the street, you must be able to talk in a dialogue that he can digest. So what this book represents is about 22 years of personal experience and research in areas of business, economics, entrepreneurship, and finance. Um, and, and as we go into tonight's dialogue, you'll see how, uh, I guess, apropos uh, this subject will be when we talk about uh, romance and finance, 
And I'll take more of an African-centered approach to it because what I found in the past is when we engage in uh, conversations about male-female relationships, uh, we make the mistake of discussing them within a vacuum. And we don't discuss them within the context of being African-centered, nor do we discuss them within the context of uh, trying to have healthy African marital unions within a toxic incubator known as racism, white imperialism. So hopefully tonight we can uh, take a different perspective on that and hopefully uh, illuminate the dialogue to where um, it doesn't it doesn't dissolve into, you know, blame game shouting matches that I've seen before. I absolutely love it, brother. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. So let's dive into it. Mm. Now, my mother, I, she has a phenomenal relationship with uh, her husband, her spouse. And there's plenty of people within our community, uh, a sister that is, again, we have a lot of entrepreneurs. She'll be on a little bit later in the show. Another phenomenal um relationship however like you said we are coming from this ideology that is making us what is it the conversation the 50 50 conversation how do we get out of that brother how do we um it's a i think for my generation a banter between the 50 50 rule where the man pays half the bills the woman pays half the bills but then the woman is doing an experimental amount of like mental labor, uh, rearing the children, taking care of the man, being physically accessible to the man, and all of that without mentioning what she needs to do for self. How, uh, with your book, can you impart wisdom on how finances can affect that? Boy, if I had a, uh, well, I'll, I'll start this way. Uh, if I had a dollar for every war story I've heard from each side, I would be Forbes 400. Um, really where you have to start, you have to start with culture. And this is what I was saying at the top of the show. When you start looking at things through someone else's glasses or someone else's eyes, you get into the trouble that we're in and you get into the type of chaos that we're experiencing right now. Uh, one of the things I believe is that I think we forgot what marital unions are really about, okay? Everyone knows that the foundation of any form of civilization that we study is family. And before you can get to family, there's, for lack of a better term, marriage, okay? And in order for, and part of what makes a successful marriage is having the necessary resources in order to build something together as a unit. Yes. And what we find is when you're operating in this toxic incubator called racism, white imperialism, 
where the resources are being controlled and being withheld by other people, okay? And you've got African men and women fighting to get those resources. Um, there's a spillover effect, okay? Especially with the men. So if a man cannot find legitimate means to provide for his family and within a Western concept, he is judged by the amount of resources or lack of resources that he has, then it affects his perception of who he is as a man. And it can have an adverse effect on whatever relationship he has with his woman. Wow. Oh, snap. That was deep, brother. <laughs> that is so true. Um, you know, it, it, it reminded me, if I may interrupt for a second, um, of a years ago when, when, when I was judged on a job, um, and, and this is, and this is to just to bring your point home because you, you, you exact, you're absolutely 200% true what you're saying. Um, this, this, this man, this uh, supervisor I was working for, tried to give me an evaluation. And at the time I had been out on maternity leave having my son. When I came back to work, um, it was only for a couple of months. When I came, but I had been there for like two years. When I came back, he was saying, um, well, uh, it's time for your evaluation. And, and they got, got all bad marks. And I was like, Am I, what do you mean? So he brings me in his office and he says, well, you know, this is a, this is a European gentleman. He says, you know, when, when in the 50s, um, uh, um, when my wife was pregnant, she stayed home and I went to work. And I said to myself, he's got the wrong one. He shouldn't have opened up that conversation. And I, and I made it clear to him, I said, um, two things are gonna happen. The first thing that's going to happen is you're going to um, remember who you are and who I am in relation to this day and this time versus who you were and your wife was back in those days in that time, wherein one person could afford to work and, and earn one income that was capable of taking care of the family, wherein now we, we are required to have basically two incomes to maintain one household you know so times they're changing a woman is different um nowadays than they were back then obviously but to to use that ancient precept <laughs> to judge me and my work and my work ethic and after i've been you know there for that many years my work has been proven it's been shown but that that was that wasn't even the point but the point was that People actually have the gall to, to make you believe that things are still the same economically for all of us. And that there's an equal playing field and you should be able to, your husband should be able to take care of you like I was able to take care of my wife back in the 50s. And I told him that and that's the first thing that's going to happen. You're going to readdress that. And then secondly, you're going you're gonna to remember how dangerous this conversation is this day and age that you could get in a lot of trouble for what you're doing because basically you're discriminating. But, you know, the ignorance was what the real issue was. Uh, and what you're saying is that, you know, 
it's the same thing. You know, you can't judge a person's um, ability to take care of their family when you create the situation for them to not be able to do so. Right. We're in a society where uh, a gentleman now, a man now, is, is can hardly take care of himself. But mm -hmm. the situation was created through the culture that you mentioned or the lack thereof. Mm -hmm. and, and when we're not given equal opportunity to earn, then it changes the dynamic. So yeah, you can't, you can't, you want to take care of your children, your family, but can you really? Mm -hmm. So true so. indeed, uh, Brother Zumbi, with your book, could you tell us how, because I've read, like I told you, most of the chapters, now I've gotten into the part where I actually have to do what's called the work. You know, I, yeah. I can't just have the idea. I actually have to put the idea pen to paper and actualize it. So for those that haven't read the book, what my mom, I think, is saying is really, really dope. A lot of youth, adolescents, teenagers, and some grown folks don't know where to start or how to read or how to see. But we're not going to address those issues today. All I'm asking you today is for someone who hasn't read your book, what can you tell someone in terms of starting? Because the the advice for money, finances, will be the same for both genders. Everybody, I believe, should come into it whole with finances, spiritual wealth, mental health, you know, those sorts of things. So how can we start it and how can we keep it so that we can have a good self-relationship but then a good relationship with others? Okay. I always say begin with acquiring resources, whether you do it self-employed or employed. Okay. Um, what I did was I started practicing what we call the 10% solution. Okay. 10% solution means a dime out of every dollar is yours to keep. Okay. So let's say you, you get a job, all right, and you set a goal to say, okay, I need to save $1,000 over the next 12 to 16 weeks. During that period of time, as you're acquiring this $1,000, start researching opportunities to where you can make money outside of your job, whether it's creating your own uh, hustle, uh, whether it's picking up a second job, because you need to have the necessary resources in order to take advantage of opportunities. You know, everybody says save for a rainy day. I say, no, you save for an opportunity because as, as you're, as you're acquiring resources, the things that you have to work on you have to work on your thought process as well as your language. Okay. So for example, uh, I teach people don't use the word budget. Say that you're organizing your finances. And I'll tell you why. If you say that you're on a budget, the money is dictating to you. If you say I'm organizing my finances now, you're dictating to the money. And one of the things that we always say about money, it's a great servant, but it's a brutal taskmaster. Okay, so, so there's an internal shift that takes place while you're acquiring the resources. 
um, for those who subscribe to the Bible in book of Proverbs, it's 17, 16. And I'm going to paraphrase what it says. What good is it for a man to acquire money if he lacks the desire to learn how to manage and master it? Okay. So, so I'll kind of start there, um, acquiring the resources and then begin the process of transforming yourself into mastering your resources. Because a lot of times when we come into windfalls, we, we still act like consumers as opposed to producers. Good. Okay. Whew. That's heavy right there. <laughs> so, 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 and, and that's kind of the reason why, and for those who may have read the book, I have a, a chapter It's called the 10 point tax refund plan. And it goes through if you ever come across. And the funny part about it is I wrote that probably, probably three to four months before COVID struck. Okay. And it not only applies to your tax refund or the stimulus checks that were being handed out during that time, but any significant windfall that may, you know, come upon your doorstep, there's a 10 step thing that you can do with that money. You know, so for example, if I were to ask a hundred black people, do you have a, a petty cash fund in your house? How many of us would have that? Okay. Not many, probably, right? Right. Now, now, I will say it is something that has always been said of women that they always have a stash somewhere. Every man that I've dated, every grown woman that I've talked to says that you, as a lady, should have a stash of cash somewhere in your house. Is that a lesson that is also taught to black males? Just a question. Um, on, it depends on the generation. Now, I'm Gen X. Okay. And I think that lesson may have been lost on my generation because when I talk to those who are behind me, Gen Y, millennials, etc., they don't have those lessons. Okay. Because in in many cases, it's about we we have a perverted way of, of trying to show that we are ballers. Real ballers are producers not consumers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay I, I challenge brothers like this i said can we call ourselves men if we can't produce a fifty thousand dollar a year job for our women say it again What's mama are you saying to take care of a woman with fifty thousand dollars no, no, no. What I'm, what, what I'm saying is, is that for for men, uh, our litmus test, and this is part of why I talk about in terms of economic liberation. I asked the brothers, how does it feel to see your woman get dressed to go work in another man's Woo. empire? Oh, sweet baby Jesus. I just yeah. had a friend of mine make a post to say that exact thing. He said, look, world, I am celebrating because I have taken my woman out of the rat race. And his main reason why was because I can't stand to see her get so pretty and walk out there to all them other men. That ain't going to happen. 
Okay. So to see your woman go put in work to build another man's empire. And the only thing she comes back with is a check. Okay. And then for the sisters, I put the question this way. If another man controls the earning capacity of your man, who's really your man? Whoa, dude. You better say that right there. Say it one more time for the people. In okay. <laughs> if if another if another man controls the earning capacity of your man, who's really your man? Is yeah. it the one who has to prostitute himself for the check or the one who signs it? Okay, so wait, 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 wait. As a young woman, right? Because my biological father told me, um, you know, a man would never want a woman such as myself for anything other than what's under my skirt, right? But I know as a woman, I'm a multiplier. I'm a master manifester. So with the right man who has the right vision, uh, we can do damage together. How is it then um, do we align ourselves financially? If he has a vision for his money and I have the power to support and multiply his money with my vision attached to his, how do we come together in the understanding and communication of finances. Okay. What I say is that the two of you must have a clearly defined mission, vision, and purpose financially. Okay. In other words, and, and I was reading a book. Um, the book is called The Money Code, and it talks about. Uh, yeah, it's a good book. Okay. What it says in there. And everybody should look at this particular plan. If you are employed or if you get a job, give yourself a 10-year window, okay? A 10-year window to where you're accumulating resources. And while you're accumulating resources, you're developing your blueprint to straddle your way to economic freedom. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's say... If the woman, and that's the book, it's a very short read, but it's a very powerful read. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say if the woman is the CFO in the family. So let's say the man brings it home. The woman becomes, let's say, the CFO. She's the distributor. She's the um, comptroller and so forth so she makes sure because she builds the economic infrastructure it's kind of like building um i guess for a lack of a better term an aqueduct financially because if you don't have the infrastructure in place so when that money comes in it just goes everywhere as opposed to organizing and I think this is where women play a critical role of organizing the finances, mm -hmm. knowing where to go. So by year 10, you're ready to walk. You see, can I, can I just say that, that the concept and I, and, and, and I, and I agree with it because we do the same <laughs> thing here. We have five year, 10 year, 20 year plans for mm -hmm. our, in, and then that we, function like that in our marriage so but i'm not the cfo in the family my mm. husband is he's okay. he's a manager so he's good at managing funds so in in that regard 
just thinking about some of the women I know, a lot of them who are single, uh, who are wanting to be in a marriage, do not have a good concept of finances and they mm. squander their money now. So when they're in to in, go into a marriage, what what do you think is going to happen if they get with somebody who is not good with funds? So it mm. even though the the concept is a is a, a is perfect, it's a great strategy and it mm. should be that way. Right. The mindset has to be re implemented into our system into our culture because it's gone from right. all, uh, several generations including ours hmm. um so and, mama uh, quick question because yeah. the brother wrote a book on how to do it but I as know. as a woman who has been through this you know what i'm saying papa has played a, a phenomenal role in your life in in helping guide you and uplift not just you but the community in different ways to elevate yourself mentally so that your mindset can prepare yourself for you know wealth and abundance whatever that looks like for you from your personal experience how would you say how would you mentor to women to kind of release those strains you know that uh we call it the independent woman to allow a man to uplift you and provide you stability in the sense that he is the CFO as opposed to the woman being the one who's better with money? Well, you know, tr traditionally, traditional approaches have to kind of go out of the window here with the woman being the, the, the person, the, the CFO of the family. And I, even though I disagree that it should be that way, I think the woman, her creative mind it should is is more suited for that, like like Dr. Brother Minister Zumbi says. Um, we have screwed up the whole construct here, and our our culture, our intelligence level, um, the unleveled playing field, the discrimination of the sexes in terms of economics and what we're paid versus what men are paid. There's so many things that that um, fall into the category of the household before it even gets to the house in terms of money and economics, that when once the money comes, we, we can destroy our own uh, plans or, or because we don't even have plans. We, there's no strategy. We just spend. We're, we're taught to consume and spend. And as a result, um, you know, it, it, I can only speak for me and my situation, but I, I remarried later in life and so did my husband. So this is our second marriage and um, I'm telling too much probably here, but still the, the point is that when you're in a situation like we were found ourselves later in life, having to start all over again with a whole nother person, even though I've known him most of my life, um, you, you're, you're, you're in crunch mode. So I can't really speak to the, to the, to the main audience here because I think most people are trying to find someone to 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 network with and to you know uh, cohabit with, but the the problem is that, like um, brother said, we we if we don't have a strategy, if we don't have a plan for the money that comes in, it's going to get messed up anyway. The problem that I see with the, it in a relationship is that 
the chains of not only ignorance, but um, economic um, fairness, for lack of a better word, is, is, is causing that process to be stunted. And unless, like brother says, we understand that we are not to continue to just work for somebody else forever. And the, and the plan is to get, uh, extricate ourselves from being, um, from working for, for somebody else so that we can be just the two of us and our money and this is my woman and this is my man and this is our time and this these are our resources so we pull those resources together and we create our own life without having to go outside of the household and work for somebody else to do that those those times are are getting few and far be, far between you know we, we we're running out of time here so i'd like to hear the brother uh, address finish addressing what what he was saying cuz i'm I'm, I'm in the book, but I'm not finished yet. And I got a long ways to go. Okay. So. Uh, there, there was a couple other things that, that came up uh, while, while you and Fit Guys were having a dialogue. One of the things that when you create financial freedom and economic independence, it helps you protect your values, your interests, and your principles. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I was listening to a gentleman out of St. Louis named Josh Tolley. And he said something real interesting. He said, what's the number one place where infidelity or adultery takes place? Not in the strip club, but on the job. Okay. Here's a statistic that is going to be real difficult for a lot of people to swallow. The average American couple only spends an average of 19 minutes a day with each other. That's not even a lunch break. 19? Did you say 19-1-9? 19 minutes a day. Out of 24 hours. Yes. Okay. I can believe your, it. Your job gets anywhere from 8 to 12, maybe 16 hours. But That's your life partner... But, but your life partner only gets less than 20 minutes. And you wonder why the divorce rate Oof. is off the chain. For those of you who remember what happened last summer with the brother with the Boston Celtics, who was the head coach and why he got fired. Okay. And everybody was looking at Nia Long as a victim. And I said, look, there are no victims. There are only volunteers. Mm-hmm. OK, when you're in L.A. and he's on the East Coast. In some cases, what do you expect? Now, that's not excusing his behavior, but you can't. Still open, human. Right. You can't open the door for 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 things like that to happen. Yeah. OK, so so that's another uh, reason to have financial freedom and economic independence so you can flee temptation not run into the eye of the storm of it oh now let me interject real quick because i got a special guest in the backstage right 
Mama, you 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 know who this woman is real quick. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little bit about her, right? Can you go ahead and introduce <laughs> your friend and mine, uh, Miss Tanya, Tanya Shedley Rollins? That's yes, right. she is a phenomenal thespian. We are both thespians in the theater world. Um, she has been influential in the uh, arena of theater. Um, and a phenomenal, just a vibrant personality. She hosts um, conversations at the uh, bookstore, the bookstore in Portsmouth on High Street. Um, and just a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of information, a wealth of uh, ability to counsel in relationships and intimacy. Um, very personable uh, person, Tanya. I, I really was so happy to re reacquaint myself with her after many years. I didn't, uh, didn't even recognize her at, when I first saw her, but I'm so glad to be back to, for her to be on the show today, but for her to be back in our circle, because she is part of our tribe as well. And she is a phenomenal, has, a, had, had, a, has had a phenomenal impact on our um, arts and theater arts and arts in general in the um, Hampton Roads community. I'm very proud of the work that she has done. Um, I'm very proud of the work she is doing and in the foreground and in the background. I would love for, to introduce my friend. <laughs> is she there? Sister, Queen, Tanya Shadley Rollins. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Super dope, super dope. And you came in at right the, the perfect time, sis. Brother was just talking about standards, right? And you and I talk about this often. The last time I was on your show, Couples and Conversations, when we was doing a single ladies type of vibe, we were talking about the standard that women and men should have with themselves and their counterpart. Yeah. In orders of intimacy. But the brother made a point that the dollar is a very intimate relationship that one we should have with it. And then thus we should have as a partner together. So mm. please continue. I just had to bring you in and make sure we gave you the, the same fanfare. <laughs> I appreciate that. Happy to be here with y'all. How y'all doing? TRS Productions, TRS Kids, Empire Builder. I am here. Greetings. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, sis. Greetings. Welcome. So go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, okay. So so as I was saying, um, oh, and I'm also add this. This is why I despise terms like work wife and work husband, because eventually mm. the work drops off. Oof. Okay. Oof. So <clears throat> so like I said, that's another reason why couples need to have financial freedom and economic independence to insulate themselves from the temptations that await you like sheep amongst wolves. Mm. Sheesh. Now, Tanya, you've been married for how long? Wow, we've been married since 2006. Wow. 2006, oh, baby. Yeah, Lord. We, had, we got together in... Uh, November of 97, and we got married in May of 2006, May 13, 2006. Okay, so this brother ain't right. This, when did you write your book, uh, Brother Z Mr. Zumi? 
Uh, I, I released it, believe it or not, I released it on Valentine's Day 2021. Wow. So you, ma'am, have not seen yet potentially this this semantics of, of how to break down financial. And yet you, your husband, and how many of your children are entrepreneurs? Now, they say that that's something that can't be done. And my mom was talking about earlier how in this day and age, it's much more difficult for one person to like go out and work a nine to five and carry the weight. But you've made it so your whole family carries their own weight and you have time freedom, financial freedom, um, you know, a lot of different space that I'm sure allows you a different level of intimacy with your husband. How were you able to manage this, especially being high school sweethearts, when you didn't have this brother's guide? Ooh. Well, um, a lot of trial and error, I'll say. Um, <laughs> I'm heavy on communication um, because, again, you know, I feel like there's not necessarily a blueprint that you can follow because, you know, everybody rolls a little bit differently and you bring those past experiences, past traumas, things that you've learned growing up and seen and witnessed into those relationships or what have you. But um, we also understand, like, from a standpoint on the entrepreneurship world is that um, there's so much power in that, you know, there's, there's fear on one side of it because you're like, you know, there's the unknown of, you know, this is on me to make sure that that comes in financially or what have you. But on the flip side of that, there's a freedom in that as well, because, you know, can't nobody fire me, you know, I'm my own boss. And so right. even with my son, uh, Malachi performing and doing, you know, shows and stuff like that, now he get his own checks. Um, you know, he know he come out to perform with mommy somewhere. Um, there's a certain, you know, uh, financial requirement that's there. So if he's coming to perform with mommy, then that also comes into it. Um, that financial help, like you said, that role that it plays in relationships is very, um, I, I feel like there has to be a flexibility there. I love how the gentleman was saying how, like, you want to make sure there's the financial stability so that you're not contingent upon that quote unquote work life, work wife, work husband uh, piece. Um, and, but also in that flexibility to understanding that when the dynamics sometimes happen where the relationships or the roles may switch, where the husband may have been the primary breadwinner in the home, but then sometimes things have to shift to where the wife is a primary breadwinner. Um, and that's something that, you know, also plays in, I think, to the relationship dynamic and keeping that communication uh, very open and honest. Because, you know, as a as my husband, you know, with, with me in entertainment, you know, it's a lot of things jumping and going right now, you know, and so my husband's had to kind of shift focus. He was driving the big CDL trucks, uh, class A went back to school. Shout out to him. My husband, Melvin Shadley, uh, went back to school to go get his class A and then was driving a truck for about six months and the truck went down. Well, at the same time, the way life happens, everything started picking up for me with my companies. So we had to shift focus and shift dynamics. Um, mm -hmm. But him having understanding and us keeping that open communication and having that healthy place in our relationship, we could understand, that, OK, and at this time we're going to have to shift a little bit. And you know, wear a different hat or, or play a different dynamic within that role. Phenomenal. So, in terms of intimacy, though, how did you grow to become that? I mean, you were children when you guys got together, and life was not <laughs> the same kind of, you know, the same kind of thought process when you got together that it is after the first child, the second child, the third child, the first business, the second business. How, with all those wheels turning like you say it's jumping off mm -hmm. and the brother um, just said we only get 19 minutes with our spouse daily working a nine to five so how do you manage to manage so many things yeah i, I think uh, being very intentional right and making the time to make the time 
Um, mm. We'll find moments during the middle of the day if I'm in between something. And also understanding sometimes I got to shut the schedule off. If he's feeling like we're not getting enough QT time or, or vice versa, if I'm feeling that way, you know, I, I'll shut the schedule down. Okay, Monday, I'm off. You know, and again, the benefit of being an entrepreneur is I can do that. You know, if I feel like that's something that needs to happen mentally, I need a break or whatever that is. So um, I feel like that it's, intimacy. Because he's a priority to you and you're a priority Absolutely. to him. You make that time. Absolutely. You make the time for the things that are important for you. That person is not making time for your relationship, not making time to pour in. You got to really look at that. You got to really listen to the signs. You know what I mean? And that necessarily means that that relationship has to go away because that's not happening. But you have to communicate that clearly. Like, hey, we're not spending enough time together. You're not pouring in enough. Um, I tell my husband all the time, like, you feel me. So if you're not pouring in, how do you expect me to keep going? Uh-oh. There we go. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, if you're not pouring in, you know, if you're my fuel, how can I keep pushing through to keep doing and wearing all these various hats and stuff that I'm wearing my light when I'm um that I'm wearing, you know, in that capacity. But I, you know, keeping that communication going and having that open communication so that you understand what the roles are and how that looks on both sides of the table, um, I think is very pivotal. But we make time to make time. We're very intentional about what we're trying to do um for and with one another. That's critical. That's critical. Right. So that brings um, up something very important, which is space, right? One yeah. space for self, space for the money. Uh, do one brother Zumbi, would you recommend having separate accounts for individual finances so that you can, I don't know, buy something for your husband, buy something for yourself, but it doesn't mess with um, the household finances budget. exactly, uh, the <laughs> household organization, right? Because we're not gonna say budget anymore, no we're not budget. gonna say budget anymore. Uh, and then Tanya, after he finishes, tell us what you really do in terms of space and creating that space. Because you and I have often talked about one personal um, self care and how you have to make more time for that, which is very difficult as a woman who is a wife and mother to multiple people. All right, brother, go ahead. How do we create the space? You know, I've, I've heard all sides of it. Um, my, my approach is this, okay. At, at a certain point, when we say that two become one, you can't be selective about okay, we're going to be one over here, but we're going to be separate over here. Okay. If you're in it, you know, it's like trying to play the hokey pokey, you know, put your right foot in, keep your left foot out. It, that doesn't work. Okay. If you say that this is your life partner, and that's why I say there's a difference between having a contract with your spouse and a covenant with your spouse. Okay. And what I mean by that is this. If it's a contract, the negotiations by nature become adversarial because each side is trying to get an advantage at the expense of the other. Okay. If it's a covenant, then both of you want mutual success, uh, mutual prosperity, mutual uh, abundance, etc. So both of you are in it to win it. So it's not a 50-50, it's 100-100. Absolutely. The Hudson says that all the time. 
Okay. So, you know, and, and I may be telling my age, but I remember there was a commercial called Nest Tea, and it talks about taking the Nest Tea Yeah. Okay. So as a couple, you're going to have to take that Nest Tea plunge as one, not as, you know, separate, uh, separate entities. You know, what gave Wu-Tang Clan the power that it did, its ability to unify as one and take that plunge. And I think, and this is where at the top of the show, I talk about culture. What has gotten us into trouble is that we keep using white folks' glasses and white folks' lenses to operate as African people, and it doesn't work. Okay. Hmm. So when we start doing things through our lens and through our eyes, we will see a difference. Okay. And I'm not going to get into the whole monogamy, polygamy, you know, that sort of thing. It goes back to, it's a thing that I call chips. Okay. Character, honor, integrity, principle, and sanity. Okay. If if you have that in in your union, then you have more than a puncher's chance of success. Okay, and I'll repeat it again: character, honor, integrity, principle, and sanity. Eesh, that sanity is the one though. <laughs> because and, and again, a lot of things can drive you crazy. The lack of space, uh, the lack of finances, the lack of care, the lack of communication. Um but so- but oh okay, but but you gotta remember when I say sanity, okay, you're trying to have a sane, healthy African marital union inside an insane toxic incubator called called racism white imperialism and that's why i said when we get into dialogues like this we have to remember the context in which we're trying to flourish because that 800 pound gorilla and and I'll, i'll put it this way you know when you're working for somebody guess what that outside entity is dictating economic policy in your house. It is. Okay. We've talked about this before with the movie Claudine. Check. Okay. And the character James Earl Jones, it's like he's doing what nature has built him to do as a man, but now you've got a system that has declared war on him saying, okay, if you do what nature has built you to be, we will not only punish you, but we will punish the family that you intend to, you know, take care of its welfare. Which is why I say in my book, we believe that welfare is an insidious form of slavery. Because anytime you try to get free of it, it punishes you for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's why, you know, uh, I go back to uh, our hip hop ancestor prodigy when he says there's a war going on outside no man is safe from. And, and as brothers, we we aren't safe from that type of warfare 
where now you're trying to shut off all legitimate means of earning income, whether it's through employment, self-employment, entrepreneurship. Well, <laughs> which which forces us in into the underworld and the underground, which underground. we don't want to do. But when your back is against the wall, it's about survival. Don't right? push me because I'm close to the Edge, yo. I believe I can fly, but I'm gonna fall. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's that's a mental stronghold. How do we break yeah. it? Hey, because we're habitual creatures, and the mind gets triggered by the dopamine release, right? So the idea of doing something versus actually doing something can either be a, a beautiful cycle or a vicious cycle. If I believe that I can do it and then I do it, then I reward myself the action of actually doing it versus what a lot of people do is, I think I can, and then they immediately stop. How do we break that mental stronghold? Because they're not gonna pick up your book until they believe that picking up your book and reading it and following the instructions will do something. They're not gonna join the tribe. They're not gonna send their kids to TRS Productions until they believe that by doing those things will have some kind of effect, a positive effect on their lives. So how do we, how do we encourage each other to be like, hey, keep going, keep going, keep going? I'll put it to you this way. Um, you are either inspired to change or you will be desperate for change. It will be one of those two. Okay. That's good. And, and when you get to that point, it's like the story about the dog laying on a bed of nails and he's howling. Okay. And the man asked the owner, well, why doesn't the dog get up? And the owner says he's not in enough pain yet. So how much pain is it going to take for us to get up off the bed of nails and make change? It's one thing to make noise, but it's another to make real change. Now, you said a mouthful. And I know she's getting ready to speak. But before okay. you do, I got to say this, because everything you said, you know, as always, I need to be up on your, foot, up on your feet, brother. I really do, because we have so, so many like beliefs. And I want to also thank everybody for wearing their hoodies tonight. I see sister's got her TRS shirt on. I see you got, I want one of those uh, goat hoodies you got there, brother. Oh, no, this is, uh, unfortunately, this is Echo. That's okay. That's something else you're involved in? No, no, this is um, Echo brand? Wear. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, well, you got to get you a hoodie. Next time you come on the shirt, you got to okay. have okay. it. Okay. I still got good bodies up here. I don't have alchemic aura, but one of the things I do tell my clients or remind them of is that when you get tired enough of what you're dealing with and you're in enough pain, you'll change. And it usually happens that way, but people don't, they don't respond to anything seems like except extreme pain okay I, well i'm gonna give them one more chance if he hits me and breaks my nose one more time i'm gonna leave you know and these these stipulations that people put on themselves to invoke change is just uh, is, is that's insanity right there but it happens so like like um goddess says you know you you have to get to the point where change is not is is not to be inspired by pain it should not be inspired by pain it should be motivated because you want a better life but we're 
kind of in a screwy society where these false beliefs that say you got to stay with your husband, you got to stay with your wife, you got to put up with it. Well, you, you know, <laughs> it's a paycheck and, and all of these nonsensical belief systems that, you know, make us uncomfortable and stay in uncomfortable situations are dangerous, you know, just actually deadly. So, sis, if you could please <laughs> yeah definitely i was gonna add um on that inspiring please um inspiration versus uh you know desperation or what have you like for me i got tired like you know i'm in entertainment in hampton roads area um i believe in providing especially the youth with quality training experiences um but i also know that there was only one company in this area that has been around for years and years and years and gets all the funding and all that kind of stuff and but I also know a lot of kids that look like me are not a part of that program. When one because they can't afford it, and so it was like the desperation of like, okay, when you get tired of being tired, you're gonna do something about it. So it was like either complain or do something about it. So in January 2020, that's how TRS Kids started to provide kids with what I didn't see opportunities for quality training for kids that look like me, and specifically, right? Um, and then like I said. The other part of that piece of the inspiration, being able to be in a room, I think when you surround yourself with like-minded people, like I'm more interested to find out what his book is about now that we've had this conversation because I've been in the room with y'all. So now really I want girl. him to tell, I'm like, John, I need you to fit goddess. I need you to send me right the link to get his book because now I, I want to know, right? So when you get in that room with other in individuals, you are you become inspired and then that also invokes that change. I think that's along the line of what he was saying that you be in the room in those situations, you're like, oh, wow. Okay, it's, it's something about sitting in the room with other like-minded individuals to know that like you're not the only one that thinks big. Sometimes mm -hmm. we surround ourselves with folk who not thinking <laughs> big enough. They're, they're just not on that level of thought process and that's okay too for that's where you are. But when I do stuff, I think big. I want to go above and beyond. I want, I'm thinking bigger than, you know, just my immediate circle or what have you, the impact that I want to make. So I definitely 100% agree with that. Inspiration will inspire you to do things and you get desperate enough. You inspire you to do things, you know, being, a, being in a situation where I write uh, productions and we have a domestic violence production on with an upward that we do. That was one of those situations where I had a college student when, when I was in college at Old Dominion, um, shout out to the Monarchs, <laughs> ODU. Um, I tell people all the time that I I, uh, I bleed blue and white because I'm a graduate of Old Dominion, but I sweat green and gold because I started learning on Norfolk State campus at eight. Um, oh, <laughs> so I, green I, and I gold. claim both. Yeah, I, I, I claim both universities. Shout out to Norfolk State <laughs> and shout out to uh, to Old Dominion. Um, but being able to bring a subject matter on campus like that for domestic violence, it affected me because as a senior student there, I had a friend of mine that was killed due to domestic violence. We were both senior theater majors. Um, rest in mm. peace, Sharika Brown. Also, Michelle L. Rollins, a family member of mine, was killed December 31st of 2018 due to domestic violence. So you get desperate. You're like, okay, what can I do to invoke change and really make an impact? Okay, let me write something that'll help people see themselves and pull that mirror up into what they're doing. So 100% agree with what the gentleman was saying about inspiration and those things that, that affect you traumatically or what have you, that you get desperate enough or go through enough pain or whatever, and it pushes you and propels you to try to get better and do better for yourself and for your family and for the community. I absolutely love it. Y'all touch on some phenomenal things. And to bring it back, the brother said in the beginning, uh, and it's another way of saying it, a man that doesn't work doesn't eat. Mm -hmm. I love that in every way, right woman is still a man right a woman doesn't work doesn't eat we as a collective need to honor each other's amount of work 
right? My papa and my mom, they got to work. They both got to work collectively together, either whether it's communication or financially. Um, but again, this this podcast is being brought to you to show you that we out here. You know, like, like Tanya said, we often on multiple levels, whether it's motherhood, whether it's being a, a phenomenal woman, whether it's the attempt to be a phenomenal wife. I say attempt for me because I ain't nobody's wife yet, but I am very much so a wife. You know, we make this attempt to put in this effort. And like I tell my children, it's not about perfection. It's about consistency. Doing the same thing over and over again. The reason I believe that Tanya's relationship, my mom's relationship, were able to last so long is due to the consistency of effort and communication that you put forth. The um, intention, as the sister said. So I love everything that we talk about. Um, what what are some last thoughts that we can drop knowledge? Because, you know, attention spans only last but so long. So uh, let's start, ladies first, of course. Tanya, as um, our last guest on the show today, what is some knowledge you can drop from your your ideas as a woman, as an entrepreneur, as a mother, as a friend that we can take away? Three things to be a better individual in your life so that as you are better to yourself, the world around you gets better. Absolutely. Well, first, first up, I will say 100% self-care is mandatory. It is necessity. Schedule it like you schedule a doctor's appointment or, uh, you know, a dentist appointment or anything like that. Um, that is something that I, I constantly I'm working on within myself um, to do better with taking care of myself because uh, with working these different, uh, you know, opportunities when it comes to uh, performing and entertainment and teaching and all of that, um, I oftentimes get kind of inundated with a lot of stuff kind of going on. So 100%, I say self-care is mandatory. Um, it is not something that you can take on the schedule and say, I may do, I may not. No, it's mandatory. Two, right. I would say as an entrepreneur, um, make sure that you are not focusing on just the circle around you. Um, because oftentimes those that you want, and I had someone tell me this before, and I'm hoping it blesses someone else as well. They said, Tanya, your light shines so bright that sometimes the people closest to you are blinded by it. So they can't see the impact of it because it's so bright because they're closest to it. But you wonder why the people that are farther away from you that you've never met before, have never had interaction with before, are seeming more supportive or, you know, they're willing to donate or pour into what you're doing. And they like they said, it's because your light shines so bright that it reaches the, the distance of where they are. So that's why they can see how far, like, man, her light shines all the way over here to me. I want to know more about what hurt, what she's doing. I want to know about what, what, you know, the impact that she's making. So, you know, try not to get caught up in the support or lack thereof from the closest people in your circle. Um, expand that horizon and then also surround your people, yourself with individuals that are um, on another level than what you are, where you're trying to see your, yourself go. Mentorship is, is really big for me. Um, a lot of the things that I've learned over the past two years in regards to business um, is very new. You know, I, I've been running my I started my company in 2006 with TRS Productions. And within the past two years, I've like grown and learned so much from on the business side of things uh, with just having access to information I didn't even know existed. So surrounding yourself with mentors and those that you can kind of, you know, ask those hard questions to and say, listen, I don't really know because I'm, I'm a good for walking in the room and talking my talk. Um, and not always having it all planned out and figured out when I go talking. 
but I let you know and let you feel like I know what I'm talking about, right? Um, so those things those be the th the three things that I would say: self care is mandatory. Um, you know, try to expand your circle outside of those immediately with you with, in regards to support systems, and then surround yourself with individuals that are also learning and growing and scaling, so that you can also do the same thing. Um, to you know, to be better the impact that you're making in the community on yourself and you know the community at large. I say, sis, I receive all of that, all of that. What about you, Mama? What what three things would you add um, to to allow us to grow? Well, you know, I I don't know how you can get any more clearer than what our guests have stated tonight. Um, Brother Minister made it clear that number one. You know, we have to get on the same page in terms of understanding that we are, th there's not a fair fight here. We have to create uh, uh, and liberate ourselves so that we can be free. And financial freedom doesn't always come from a job. Financial freedom does not come just from money. Money is not just earnings from an income from a job. Earnings can be resources, power, networking, um, uh, connecting with your tribe, like Sis says, being being around like-minded people, like Tanya said. Um, uh, you know, if you don't have a strategy for your life and how you want to uh, create your marriage or your relationships to be, then you're just in a relationship. And most relationships are end up becoming sinking ships because they don't have a destination, a plan, they're just treading water. And it's critical to create a strategy. So that would be number two. And number three, I would say, is the same way you take care of everything else that you claim is important in your life, your hair, your nails, your, your body, you know, your temple, your car, your home, you gotta take care of yourself. And um, you got to take care of, and part of taking care of yourself is making sure that you can survive and thrive, you know, without having to depend on someone else or someone else for your income. You can create your own, use your own creativity, your own vitality, your own time, and get your time back so you can enjoy your relationships without having to um, be relegated to 19 minutes a day. <laughs> so, um, that would be what I would say. Thank you so much for those gems. And I, I agree, you know, it's it's not simple, but it's not supposed to be simple. Anything worth having is definitely uh, worth working for. Brother Zumbi, tell us your final thoughts. Three things that we can give to the people right now that they can take with them and start mm -hmm. to implement right now. Okay. And this can be used for both genders, but I'm going to speak especially to the women. Okay. To women, ask yourself this question. Can I effectively run a household? If the answer is yes, then you can effectively run a business because the concepts are the same. What's the number one thing that you deal with in running a household that running a business is the same? cash flow management okay so running a household will be your first uh training ground for running a business so if you ever 
doubt yourself, just look at how you run your household. And that will be an indicator of how you can run a business. It's number one. Number two, I'm going to show you how you can create a business with what you already have. Okay. If you have a laptop, a laptop, desktop, iPhone, what have you. Okay. If you have internet access and if you have information that you can organize, package, monetize, and systematize, do you know what you have? You have the makings of a publishing company and you didn't have to take out a bank loan to do it. So sometimes start with what you already have because what you got to remember is that regardless of what industry you focus on, you are always in the money-making business, okay? And then finally, one of the things that women can do is become an expert in something. Now, I'm going to show you how you can become an expert for under $50. Ask yourself, how many books would it take minimum? for me to be an expert in a particular discipline, whether it's finance, whether it's marketing or what have you. If you can read a minimum of three books in a certain discipline, you will be considered an expert. The average American only reads one book a year. And in most cases, that book is a romance novel. So imagine if you were to read a book a week in a particular discipline, you will be so far ahead of the majority of the population in America that people are lazy enough to where they will pay you for what you know. So those are the three things that I would like to leave with the audience, particularly the women. Yeah, that's so dope. I absolutely love it because, again, we... It's very simple. It's very simple what we're able to do for ourselves um, if we just, one, pay attention to ourselves. So it's my turn now to talk <laughs> about our little things. Uh, I want to say thank you to all of our members on the panel today. Um, thank you for your insight. No romance without finance. It's the old school song that everybody knows. Uh, the main thing that we're pushing here is a mindset. Now, mine specifically is the fit goddess mindset. You see my, my lovely sons there. Um, with the fit goddess mindset, we encourage you to eat, sleep, and exercise, right? Every day, <laughs> every day, whether it's exercising your mind, exercising your body, um, or just moving in general. We want you to remember that we're here as a collective, whether it be Alchemic Aura or Minister Brother, Brother Mr. Zumbi or Tanya. We're here to service the community in the ways that our talents and skills are best suited for us. Our strengths, we have found our passions and we're here at your disposal to assist you, whether it be uh, through getting mentally fit or physically fit. That's my um passion or whether it's financially fit like brother Zumbi over here or maybe it's your aura like my mom but our main focus is to empower growth we are super excited that you were able to tune in with us this evening uh we really really hope to see you again next week we'll be here again live uh mondays at 7 15 remember we're here we're fit to heal i can't wait to check you again later peace <laughs>